And welcome to uh, this week's episode of the Third Line Podcast on the Area 51 Sports Network. This week we do have a special guest, Andrew Peard. He is the play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oil Kings of the Western Hockey League. Andrew, thank you uh, very much for uh, joining us this week. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Adam. Let's jump right into the Alberta, or I guess the Central Division here. Jess and I, we cover Tri-City and Vancouver, which means that we don't get to see the central division and the East division this year. So what can you tell us kind of about uh, how that division is uh, shaping up this uh, coming uh, season? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting year in the the central division. I mean, I, I think it's, it's fair to say that the balance of power certainly lies with the Edmonton oil Kings. You look at the, the year that they had during the, the pandemic shortened season, winning 20 of the 23 games they ended up playing and they return a lot of that roster. So there, there hasn't been too much turnover. And as a matter of fact, all of a sudden a guy like Dylan Gunther is a first round draft pick. Sebastian Coase is a first round draft pick. Uh, Jalen Leip and Carson Latimer get picked. And then the team goes to the CHL import draft and they grab Slovakian centerman, big centerman, Jakob Demick, who happens to be a fourth round pick of the Vegas Golden Knights. So uh, there, there's a lot to like on the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, roster up front on the back end. Obviously, there was a couple of key losses during the offseason with Matthew Robertson turning pro and Ethan Cap, who'd been here for what seemed like forever, uh, finally aging out of the league. So um, that, that's sort of the, the Edmonton Oil Kings and, you know, Sebastian Kosa and that he might very well be the best goaltender in the Western Hockey League this year. So you put that all together with the, the additions of a guy like Simon Kubicek on the back end and the expected growth from Logan Dauhaniak, Ethan Peters, Keegan Slaney and Blake Heward, uh, Carson Golder as well. Um, the, the Edmonton Oil Kings. Are, are certainly probably the, the favorite in the central division this year. After that, it's going to be interesting. I, I think the medicine hat tigers, they're, they're probably, they finished second last year in the division. I think they'll, they'll, they'll probably be the, the, the stiffest competition for the Edmonton oil Kings uh, with the potential of getting Cole Sillinger back and Garen Bjorklund in net. Uh, I think they're pretty solid with Edmonton. You guys have the, uh, I'm going to call him the coach of the year last year. I know they didn't hand out the award, but we'll call him basically the back-to-back champion because I don't think anybody was uh, dethroning uh, Brad Lauer this year. Uh, you And then you also have uh, the Scholastic Player of the Year, Ethan Peters from last year. I think you said he he's aged out, but the team is has all of these awards. They have the experience. So what is the expectation from Brad Lauer and the coaching staff on what this team can do? I, I think the expectation is as high as it could possibly be for a team. When you look at the last three years, um, you know, in, in 1920, or pardon me, in 1819, the team goes all the way to the Eastern Conference final. Kind of unexpected, right? Um, after being, you know, dead last in the entire CHL the year previous, but it's the first year as Brad Lauer at the helm and, and Kurt Hill as the general manager. And, and they got a lot out of that team and got them all the way to the third round. So expectations going into the 1920 year were certainly very high. Um, and they never got a chance to, to see what they could have made of those expectations with the playoffs being canceled with a few games still left in the regular season. And then of course, no playoffs last year. Um, the motivation for this team and the expectation is unfinished business. This team is, is highly motivated. We saw that during the pandemic shortened year. Um, you know, they, they made it very vocal that their goal was to win every single game they played during the shortened season. And they, you know, that that's almost a, a laughable feat and they almost did it. So you know, that, that's a, a pretty remarkable thing. And, and this is a very motivated group. Uh, they're, they're a very mature group as well. Um, and, and so I think the sky's the limit in terms of expectations. And, um, you know, Brad Lauer's the right guy to be at the helm of this. You know, he's a guy that has a lot of pro experience. He's been on deep playoff runs, both as a player and as a coach. And, and I think he's ready to, for the first time 
or I should say for the second time in his career, uh, lead a, a junior hockey team on a, a very long playoff run. The big news out West for, I know Vancouver Canuck fans is that Dil- the pick that was acquired for Oliver Ekman Larson and Connor Garland was Dylan Gunther. So there's a lot of people in Vancouver who watched his uh, goal the other night for Arizona and they're just kind of sitting there like, what, what did we do? This guy looks like a stud. So what can you tell us a little bit about uh, Gunther um, and what his potential looks like? Yeah. I mean, uh, with, with Dylan, he was um, back a a number of years ago. Now Um, he was the first overall pick in the WHL at the time called Bantam draft. Now the WHL prospects draft. And um, he met every expectation that a first overall pick should have. And what it comes back to with him, his, his best asset, I think is his hockey IQ. Uh, He thinks the game at uh, a level that's higher than a lot of the, uh, the other players across the Western hockey league. And I think that's going to be something that helps him uh, get to the NHL, maybe a a little bit quicker than, than some might think Uh, hopefully for the Edmonton Oil Kings, not too quick. uh, And they do get him back this year, but for, for Dylan, Um, it's always tough when you try and find a comparable for a player. I know he's likened his game a little bit to Kyle Connor, sort of that sneaky player, right? Like when you think of Dylan Gunther, well, you don't think he's a speedster, but then all of a sudden he's down the wing and he's burning past a defenseman. Uh, Then he's got that sneaky little wrist shot that he can let go from all over the ice, whether he's in on the fly, you know, stepping into the left or the right wing circle. Uh, He gets it off his stick quick and he gets it off his stick hard. Uh, And then all of a sudden on a power play, he is, he's the one-time option. You know, he's a right shot. Uh, he sets up in that left wing circle. And, and of course, the Oil Kings for the last number of years have had a number of players that have been able to dish him the puck. And he doesn't miss often uh, when you put it in his wheelhouse from that left wing circle. So um, he's dangerous all over the ice offensively. But the thing that every NHL coach looks for in a player is, is his defensive side of the game. And that goes back to his hockey IQ. He doesn't spend a lot of time in his own end because he's able to turn over pucks. He's able to check players closely. And he's able to get out of his own zone. So, I mean, Dylan Gunther... Very much a complete player. Uh, maybe what held him back in this draft and why he, you know, if you want to call it, slipped to, to where he did uh, to the Arizona Coyotes is probably because he plays the wing and he's not a centerman. But Dylan Gunther can play center, and you might see him play center this year for the Edmonton Oil Kings. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot to like about Dylan Gunther. And for the Arizona Coyotes, uh, they, they gave up a lot to get that pick, um, and they might not see the return on that asset too quickly. Uh, but at the same time, uh, Dylan Gunther is a very much an elite level NHL prospect. And, um, you know, I, I don't think it'll be too long until we see him wearing the Arizona Coyotes jersey. Do you think, uh, you know, the Arizona Coyotes, they're not the strongest team in the in the league. Do you think that he has a shot to make that team? You know what? If you would have asked me that a month ago, the, the answer was probably no. But then all of a sudden they start shipping out player after player. And Christian Dvorak a couple of weeks ago gets traded and you're thinking, who do they have left at forward, not named Dylan Gunther? But uh, at the same time, I, I think if you're the Arizona Coyotes, um, what you got to do what's best for the player's development uh, while you go through this rebuild. Because, hey, listen, the Arizona Coyotes, with what they're doing right now, they're not planning to win the Stanley Cup this year, next year, the year after that, and probably the year after that. So um, what is best for Dylan's development? Is it to put him on this team that's going to have a very lean season? Or is it to send him back to... Uh, what likely will be somewhat of a powerhouse junior hockey team, give him the option to play at the World Juniors, give him the chance to go on a deep playoff run and just uh, accumulate those experiences uh, at 18 years old and then maybe at his 19-year-old season 
that's more of a conversation that you think maybe it is time for him to turn pro. Um, so that's, I mean, that's what we're hoping. That's the Edmonton Oil King sales pitch. The Arizona Coyotes to send them back. Ultimately, it's going to be their decision. But I, I think the benefits of him coming back to play junior hockey far outweigh the benefits of him staying at the NHL level and, you know, being sort of, you know, put into what will likely be a losing environment with the Arizona Coyotes this year. But at the same time, um, you know, uh, Andre Turnier, the head coach there, uh, I'm sure he's going to cultivate a winning culture, whether those wins are there or not in the standings. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But I, I, I fully expect him to be back uh, with the Oil Kings this year. I don't expect him back for our home opener. And uh, we might not see him until sometime in, in late October. I'm just listening because, honestly, I because I do only cover the U.S. division and we haven't played the Central or the East in two years. I don't know anything about these guys a lot honestly so it's more like a learning experience listening to you talk than anything yeah. um i've never had anybody ever say that about listening to me talk <laughs> yeah no i mean I, i'm i'm down here in portland so like mm -hmm. i don't i don't know the eastern and Central. you should know the edmonton oil kings you guys used to be the edmonton oil kings back in the 1960s when they won all the Memorial Cups, it was as, as okay, but like, they moved I'm not forward. even that old either. <laughs> I know, I know, <laughs> I know. But they're our biggest rival still technically with all those playoff runs where yeah. we ended up going head-to-head -head in the, the league final. But, you know, and that'll be interesting to watch this year, I think, too, because I, I'm expecting Portland, as always, to have another strong team this year and the Edmonton oh, Oil absolutely Kings. absolutely they will. Yeah, and if they can – you know, make good on, on the Eastern Conference. Could you imagine for the fourth time in a decade, the two same teams going at it in a WHL final? That'd be pretty neat to see. Yeah, it would actually be. And, I mean, the the Winterhawks, they definitely have, like, the ability to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, they went 4-0 for their preseason tournaments. Mm -hmm. And all of the kids that we talked to, they were just convinced that that's what they're going to do this year. They're yeah. going to make a run for it. So oh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. I'll ask you a little bit. Um, we'll get, we'll talk a little bit, or we'll go back a little bit because I have a couple of questions about some of the uh, drafted players. But what can you tell us about the like rest of the East, uh, or sorry, West, rest of the Central Division? Because just based off of the projections and what we're looking at, it looks like it's just a race for second place right now. Like I, I don't really, I'm, I don't really know who could. Uh, dethrone the oil kings in the division is there a team that might have a shot uh going into the season um yeah i mean you, you never really know until the puck is down and, and these these teams start playing one another and it, it, it harkens back to your last question about dylan gunther because there's another player in jake neighbors who's going to get an extended look with the st louis blues at, at their nhl training camp and those decisions could change the complete complexion of the edmonton oil king season if those two players go on to make NHL rosters and spend a full season there, then all of a sudden you're missing two first-round draft picks that you fully expected to have back. And, and then I think the division certainly would be up for grabs because, you know, you look at the Medicine Hat Tigers and Willie Desjardins, who's been around this league for a long time. He always builds uh, a contending team. Uh, you know, they, they should have Cole Sillinger back in their lineup this year, and that is uh, an upper echelon talent uh, in the Western Hockey League. If they get Lucas Fakovsky back, uh, he is a 20-year-old. He is drafted. Um, you know, that'll be interesting to see if they, they end up getting him back because that's that's a pretty dynamic one-two punch up front for, for the Tigers. And then a guy like Oasis Wiseblatt, perhaps he can uh, start to develop into, you know, the, the first-round pick that, that he is uh, and really uh, elevate his game this year. And then, of course, they've got Garen Bjorklund in net, who, for my money, 
you know, and this isn't, you know, a knock on the, the East division because we just didn't see them last year, but you know, he very well could be the, the second best goaltender in the conference this year, maybe in the entire Western hockey league. He, he does it a lot differently than Sebastian Costa does, uh, but he's an extremely talented goaltender. And, and then, you know, if you want to look at the rest of the central division, the Lethbridge hurricanes, they should be in somewhat of a rebuild, but I don't know that that word exists for Peter Anholt and, and Brent kiss. You always want to be winning. So It'll be interesting to see what happens with that team this year. They were very young last year, uh, and it certainly showed in their game. But at the same time, I thought they were a team that did get better throughout the shortened season. Uh, the Calgary Hitmen, they're going through uh, somewhat of a rebuild right now. They do still have some nice pieces back on the back end. Of course, Luke Prokop on defense and Jackson Vandalese, the, the the Calgary Twin Towers back there. Um, so, um, you know, they'll be a team that, probably not quite in the mix, but should be a middle-of-the-pack team. But the interesting team to watch this year is the Red Deer Rebels because – you know, they finished dead last last year in the Central Division, almost in the, the Western Hockey League. I can't remember exactly uh, where they finished in the entire league standings, but they have made some uh, interesting acquisitions, uh, but ones that look like they are they're paying dividends right now, um, including behind the bench and Steve Connor-Walchuk, who the last time uh, he was a coach in the Western Hockey League, he was raising the WHL championship over his head with the Seattle Thunderbirds. What, what are the odds cost is even back? Oh, he'll be back. Yeah, he'll be back. Yeah. Uh, he has a late birthday. Uh, so this will be his 19-year-old season. Um, okay. But I, I don't think the Detroit Red Wings, I mean, they went out and got Alex Nedeljkovic. Uh, he's yeah. going to be their goaltender this year. So we we fully expect Sebastian Kosa back. He does look like a pro goaltender already. He's got that frame at six foot seven and north of 200 pounds. But uh, I think, you know, they, they, they'd want to get him back into Edmonton, playing a ton of games this year and potentially being uh, Team Canada's goaltender at the World Juniors. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, just not knowing a ton about uh, Edmonton's prospect systems. Like, who is coming up uh, in the wings behind uh, Sebastian? Well, right now, it's that's a very timely question because we've got a, a real uh, goaltending battle going on for the backup job this year. Colby Knight is sort of the incumbent. Uh, he got into four games last year during the shortened year uh, as the team's backup goaltender. But then they have uh, Colby Hay, who's a, a pretty highly uh, touted prospect within the system. Uh, this will be his 17-year-old season. Uh, he was a former third-round draft pick by the team in 2019, and he's big too, six foot four, 184 pounds. Um, he's going to be pushing Colby Knight for that backup job, and it's kind of up to them in these probably final two preseason games that the team has coming up against the Calgary Hitmen this weekend to, to sort it out. And then, uh, of course, just at the tail end of training camp, the Edmonton Oil Kings signed Alex Worthington, a goaltender out of Saskatchewan. That's a, a draft pick. This would have been his uh, 16-year-old year. So he's already back in Saskatchewan for, for minor hockey. So, um, you know, they, they do have a, a succession plan uh, for when Sebastian Costa does turn pro. And uh, obviously, whoever gets to be the backup goaltender this year, that's going to be a, a real good, uh, you know, learning curve for them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, by the sounds of it, uh, a bit of a goaltending factory out there in Edmonton. So that's, that's a pretty good problem to have. Yeah, they're trying to be, you know, and it, it, it looks, you look back and, you know, two of the most successful NHL alumni that came out of the Edmonton Oil Kings are Tristan Jari, the goaltender for the Pittsburgh Penguins, and of course, Laurent Persuas, who was in Edmonton and Winnipeg, and now uh, is the, the backup goaltender for the Vegas Golden Knights. I was actually going to ask about uh, Jake Neighbors. I know you said that he is down there with St. Louis right now, and you're not expecting him back at the beginning of uh, the season, but if he doesn't end up coming back, if he does make, uh, the blues roster who do you think uh on the oil kings could fill in for him 
Well, that's that's a tough job to fill because Jake Neighbors does a lot for for the Edmonton Oil Kings. He's that meat and potatoes type player. He does have uh, a high skill level, but I think he almost prefers to play the game in the hard areas. Uh, you know, at six feet, uh, around two hundred pounds, he's not afraid to go into the corner, stand in front of the net, uh, and he's a real emotional leader for the Edmonton Oil Kings as well. So. You know, I, I think the team is fully expecting to get him back this year. And if, if he does come back, I think he'd be a, a pretty likely candidate to take over from Scott Atkinson as the team's uh, new team captain. But at the same time, if, if he was not to return, uh, you know, you're going to start asking guys like Jakob Demick, who's a, a big body forward, uh, to, to step up very early on in his WHL career. You're going to look to a guy like Carson Latimer, who had a real good rookie year, to take a further step in his development. But as far as the intangibles that Jake Neighbors brings to the Edmonton Oil Kings, it's it's really tough to replicate, and it would have to be something done certainly through committee. As a former Royal, uh, what has Kate Oliver brought to this team that maybe it kind of seems like they were needing? Yeah, he was he was awesome last year in the the pandemic shortened year. The team had lost Riley Sawchuk, who had really helped Jake Neighbors and Dylan Gunther as two real young players had him on uh, on his wings and. Uh, heading into last year, the the team was without a, a, a top centerman because you know Riley Sodchuk had had aged out. So they they kind of did what they did with Sodchuk. They went and found an overage player with the, with Kate Oliver, sort of in a tough numbers situation in Victoria. Brought him in, and uh, you know he was the guy that could win faceoffs. Didn't have the the skill of a Riley Sodchuk, but probably had a little bit more of the work ethic. And you know it was a real nice blend for for Dylan Gunther and Jake Neighbors to play off of. And you know he came in. He's just a just a great kid, um, you know, really good in the locker room. And he had this great story that he brought with him, his grandfather being Garnet uh, Ace Bailey, uh, who played yeah. for the Edmonton Oil Kings way back in the 60s. So uh, that was really neat. And we were able to, to honor, um, you know, Garnet Ace Bailey, who, of course, we tragically lost uh, on September 11th of, of 2001. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Cade was – he was an excellent Edmonton Oil King. Uh, we, I think it was one of those things that you look back and go, boy, I wish we would have had him uh, a whole lot sooner than we did. But yeah. uh, he did make an impression for sure here in Edmonton. Yeah, watching the Royals in the bubble last year, it just seemed like that was a guy that really uh, they, they could have used last year, just his style of play. And it was very, uh, very obvious that it was it was a big loss for them. Doing what you do, uh, how excited slash you know, what's going to be different finally having fans back in the stands again? I'm assuming with your job, you you got to feed off that energy. You're absolutely 100% correct. Um, it was, you know, I'm not going to complain about getting to go and, and be in the rink last year and, and call the games for the, for the pandemic year. But, man, it was weird. Like, it was yeah. so weird. Because at least, you know, with the NHL games that were going on here in Canada, you know, they were pumping in some crowd noise. So you did have that element. But, man. We would go to, you know, the, the Centuryman Red Deer or the NMAX Center down in Lethbridge, and it was cavernous. You know, you, yeah. you, you almost didn't want to speak too loudly during the whistles because you're like, I think the coaches down on the bench can hear me talking. Like, it was so <laughs> weird. And, and, and then back to what you said about feeding off the energy of the crowd, you need that. Like, that, it just gives you a little bit more skin in the game, it feels like. Like, you feel a lot more a part of it, and, and it gives you that, that energy boost. So... Uh, you know, I, I'm very much looking forward to having, uh, you know, fans back at Rogers Place and getting to play back at Rogers Place. Of course, we played at the downtown community arena, which is attached yeah. to Rogers Place here in Edmonton, but uh, certainly doesn't have the same feel. So that's going to be a big thing come October 1st when when the fans start filing through the entrance at Rogers. It's it's going to be really exciting smelling the popcorn again and and just yeah. hearing that, that, you know, that hum of the crowd before uh, everyone files in and gets settled for the game. 
Yeah, I, d I definitely know what you're feeling there. I mean, it's not the same, obviously, because it's not the crowd, but just me being able to go back to uh, just playing rec hockey the second I got into the rink and just the smell of like the ice and just, I, I said before, as disgusting as it sounds, even the smell of the locker room, it just, I, I couldn't help but smile. You know, it's just as like, you're disgusting, I know. But uh, <laughs> there's just something about knowing that, you know, you're you're in your happy place. You're actually getting back to doing what you love doing and, you know, I'll, I'll take all the disgusting smells that come with it. But one of the things that I'm definitely looking forward to, if I can get into the Royals games this year is yeah, just this to roar of the crowd and just having that energy that, you know, between the NHL games and watching all the WHL games last year on the app, it's, it's been sorely lacking for me anyways. And yeah, I'm pretty stoked to get back to that. Yeah, that's, that's the beautiful thing about the game of hockey. You, you feel it in all your senses. You can smell it. You can taste it. You know, you can hear it. You can see it. And you you feel it in your heart and your stomach. It's, you know, that's that's what hockey's all about. And it's, you know, it's it, it feels almost like Christmas coming up on October 1st when, when we get to be back in there with, with the, the great fans of the Western Hockey League. And I'm sure the uh, players are really excited, you know, playing in those empty barns. Uh, speaking to some of the players, uh, like some of the first-year players, on the Vancouver Giants, all of them were like, yeah, it's just weird. You know, you throw a big hit and you can hear the uh, the bench cheering and that's it. Or uh, you yeah. can hear they were some of them were saying that they can hear the play by play going on. Like, it's just uh, it was a weird situation last year. And just speaking to a couple this year, they're pumped to have people back in the stands. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Talking to our players, they said early on, you know, you're doing what you could to create that atmosphere on the bench by, you know, maybe making a little extra louder noises when there was a hit that normally you wouldn't have to, you know, bang your stick against the boards for, you know, you're trying to, to find that, create that enthusiasm. Uh, but finally it'll be back and it will be something that uh, will be naturally ingrained in them from the crowd. So obviously last year you were in the community rink as opposed to Rogers place. I know Rogers place is still pretty new. Did you play a full season in there before the shutdown? 2019-20, we were in Rod like I mean the Oil Kings like Rogers Place is the home of the Edmonton Oil Kings since it opened in 2016. It was just because okay. of the uh you know being in the, the the shutdown and then with the NHL coming back and all the strict protocols there because we shared the rink with the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. Um, you know, it it wasn't prudent to have um you know too much foot traffic going through Rogers place in terms of bringing other players from the Western hockey league. in, so it just made more sense yeah. to keep things in the downtown community arena. It's all attached anyways. Um, yeah. And you know, it was, it's a lot cheaper to put on a hockey game in a community arena than it is at Rogers place. Especially when oh yeah. 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 A little cheaper ice plant. And yeah. uh, I, I, I can speak to that. Half of the issues in our game tonight, uh, our ice plant is terrible and the ice was falling apart. So, oh. um, but yeah, it's, uh, at least the guys didn't have to stay at the rink like they did in Red Deer. <laughs> well, um, you know, so going back to players on the Oil Kings that have been drafted, I know that uh, the New York Rangers drafted Matt Robertson in 2019. So this is his second uh, rookie camp that he's at right now. Um, he's also, I think he's an overager, is that correct? Yeah, we, we're not expecting Matthew to be back this year. I mean, he was drafted, like you mentioned, in 2019 in the second round by the Rangers. And then uh, real quickly, at the beginning of that that year, when we were actually on a road trip out east in Brandon, they, they signed him to his entry-level contract. So, you know, we got him for the rest of that year. We got him for the pandemic year. Now this being his overage year, uh, he's going to turn pro 
uh, whether he plays with the New York Rangers this year or in the American Hockey League. So that's going to be a big blow to the back end because, I mean, he's a minute muncher. He does everything well. He can give you a little bit of offense. Uh, he's just so stout defensively. Um, so there'll be some guys certainly leaned on uh, by the Edmonton Oil Kings to, to sort of fill the shoes left by Matthew Robertson. So be my question. <laughs> there you go. So obviously getting a chance to probably watch some of these uh, preseason games and the training camps and what have you, uh, this might've already been covered, but uh, is there a guy that maybe you didn't expect to shine that is kind of looking like he'll be a real solid addition? You know, the, the, the story of training camp right now is actually the play of Jacob Boucher. He's, he's 19 years old. He's from a, a small town near Edmonton called the gal. He was, uh, he came into the league with the Lethbridge hurricanes and through his, what was it? His 16 and 17 year old year, just faced a ton of injuries can never really get his footing did play the full season last year in the, the shortened year, um, but was sort of, I, I would say, lost in the shuffle with the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Um, I, I think they were looking to get younger players into their lineup this year, so they let him go. And, and he came to the Oil Kings training camp as a free agent invite. And with the Oil Kings sending, you know, nine players away to NHL training camps, they knew that they were going to need to bring in some guys with some experience. And I think what they're getting out of Jacob Boucher right now is a lot more than they expected. I think at the last time I looked, not that it really matters because it is preseason, but it does matter when you're a guy like Jacob Boucher fighting for a, a spot yeah. on, a, on a team or uh, somewhere in the Western Hockey League. He's third in the WHL in preseason scoring right now. Wow. That wasn't a guy that I, I, I think they were counting on being there uh, at this point, but he's come in and he's certainly made an impression and uh, he's going to make uh, some real tough decisions ahead for, for Brad Lauer. Uh, and Kurt Hill with the Edmonton Oil Kings. Definitely, yeah. Who on the Oil Kings that you guys expect to come back should we look out for when the uh, WHL awards are handed out at the end of the year? <laughs> oh, boy. Jeez, we got too many. Like, I don't want any of these guys being like, you picked him instead of me for that award? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I would, uh, I would think, uh, well, number one is Kurt Hill. Like, at some point, he's got to win executive of the year, I would think with uh, the teams he's built and how quickly he's helped turn this program around. Uh, that's one I would look for, for sure. Uh, as well, um, you know, Sebastian Kosa, we, we really thought he was going to win WHL goaltender of the year for, for uh, 2020, 2021, but uh, he didn't. Um, I would be shocked if he's not the best goaltender in the Western Hockey League this year. So I would say that's, that's definitely one to look out for. And when it comes to, you know, who's going to be the, the, WHL MVP. I think the Edmonton Oil Kings have a lot of candidates on their team. Um, but at the same time, they're going to probably lose Jake Neighbors and Dylan Gunther for uh, an extended period of time, sort of through the middle of the year when the World Juniors start to roll around. So that might play some effect. There's this young kid in Regina. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, Connor Bedard. Um, <laughs> he, he's probably going to be sniffing around that award if he's able to to replicate what he did last year. It'll be interesting. It's, it's going to be different competition. It's going to be uh, a different set of circumstances for him, but uh, that that's the player I'm, I'm really uh, most excited to see play this year uh, live and in person. So uh, that's one thing to watch for. And then Ethan Peters, he's, he does, did win the, the classic player there. He will be back with the oil Kings uh, this year. Uh, he had like a 97 uh, high school average, but now that I guess he's graduated from high school, I don't know if he can be up for that award, but uh, no, no, no. Maybe he'll just get like a degree in one year or something at the university level because he's he's so darn smart. So maybe that's one to watch out for. Yeah, those uh, 
those pesky Everett goaltenders. They just uh, wow. stop everybody from winning those uh, winning the awards. Yeah. Was it Dustin Wolf that got it this year? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So they've won um, five of the last six. Um, yeah. WHO yeah. goaltenders of the year. So yeah, talking about a goaltending factory. Yeah, absolutely. Talking about uh, potential award winners. I'll uh, just because you know I, I got to plug the pod, right? Um, one of the ones that I'm really excited to watch this year as well is uh, Riker Evans. Um, I'm assuming he should probably be back with the Pats. Yep. And uh, just watching his game evolve over the last couple of years, we had him on the pod uh, what probably six weeks ago or so. And, uh, yeah, just watching some film getting ready for that interview. Like I just, I didn't get a chance to really see a lot of the East coast teams, uh, when I was covering the Royals last year. And it's just the evolution of his game. He, uh, compared himself to like a Morgan Riley style. And, uh, yeah, I, I really like, uh, that comparison and he's just fun to watch. So, uh, obviously not a team that you're covering, but, uh, just given a shout out to names that, uh, we could look for at the end of the year. I think uh, he should be on that list. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, that's, that's going to be the fun thing about this year is, and I was peeling back just through it during the, uh, you know, through the springtime was I was looking at scoring some reason being like, I've never heard of these players and they're absolutely having, you know, phenomenal seasons just because we never got to see them for, for an entire year. So, you know, that's going to yeah. be the most fascinating thing is, is seeing all these players, a lot of them for the first time who are veterans in the Western Hockey League now. It, it's going to be uh, a very interesting year for sure, especially because, uh, like we said, we didn't get to see the divisional play last year. At least there is some divisional play. If you're looking at the East, I think a lot of people foresee a Eastern Conference final as Edmonton versus Regina because a lot of people, I be- believe, that Connor Bedard is just going to wheel that team to the Eastern Conference Final. How do you think that uh, your team would stack up in a seven-game series against the uh, Regina Pats? Well, uh, you know what? I, I think there's a couple teams in Manitoba that might have some exception to this because the Brandon Weekings are a pretty damn good hockey team and mm-hmm. so are the Winnipeg yeah. Ice. But, I mean, yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of hype around the Regina Pats because of Connor Bedard, that star power, which I think is great for the Western Hockey League that we have that star power because yeah. we haven't had an exceptional player before. And then, it's kind of an unfortunate set of circumstances. His exceptional season was when minor hockey was shut down and there was a whole pile of 15 olds actually playing in the Western Hockey League last year. But yeah, I mean, that'll be interesting. I think the one thing right now that's maybe a concern for John Paddock and the Regina Pats, um, not for me to speak on behalf of that team, is the depth though. Um, you know, they 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 have those those the the big guns up front. You know, they get Zach Stringer out of Lethbridge. Uh, they've got Connor Bedard, but um, I, I think where where the Edmonton Oil Kings would would probably uh, be able to to gain a bit of an advantage against them is just the the depth in lines one through four with the Edmonton Oil Kings. Brad Lauer doesn't even like referring to them as lines one through four because he feels like you know uh, on any given day any of his four lines can contribute at a at a top line level and you know that's just that that's what separates the Oil Kings from a lot of the Western Hockey League right now is is they have that great depth and it's one of those things that's a cyclical thing with with the whl and the edmonton oil kings they're right in that sweet spot right now uh and that's something that's uh you know a a a major advantage for them yeah and i i would probably say too just going back to your previous point uh if that was a series to watch out for i think it would probably end up being sort of a battle between casa and bedard i mean you've got potentially one of the best goalies in the league going against potentially not potentially but probably the best player in the league 
And uh, yeah, I think that'd be a ton of fun to watch. And I hope that we get a chance to uh, to see that happen. Yeah, I think the Regina Pats would be really uh, really fired up about that uh, that opportunity. But again, don't I'm just telling you right now, guys, uh, the Brandon Wee Kings and the Winnipeg Ice. Oh yeah, uh, they are going to be uh, a handful for the Regina Pats to deal with uh, this year. The Edmonton Oil Kings have been one of the top teams in the league for the last three seasons. You know, they make the conference finals, they lose. Then the next year, they're one of the best teams in the league again. And then the playoffs get canceled on a year that some would argue that they're going to, that they would be the Western conference final uh, uh, representative in the Memorial cup. And then last year they have uh, what could be called a record setting season with the, um, with the record that they have. I know it was only uh, 23 games in the end, but, to win 20 of your 23 games that should go down in the record book that they probably would have been again, the WHO representative in the Memorial cup. So is there kind of like this feeling within the oil Kings? Like we should have been like that, like that they're, that the opportunity was kind of taken away and that they're good, that they have to, that they're really going to push this year to get that opportunity that they missed out on, on the last two years. Absolutely. That is the theme of, of the season for the Edmonton Oil Kings is it's, it's unfinished business. Um, we had a lot taken away from us over these last three years. Um, you know, we, we never got the opportunity to, you know, get to, to a WHL final. And then this year, this is their opportunity and it's probably going to be their only opportunity as this collective uh, of players and this, this great talent pool that, that has been built here in Edmonton. So it's it's the biggest motivating factor right now behind the Edmonton Oil Kings is unfinished business, and you know the the one thing I'll I'll take from it though is this team has every reason to be negative and you know a little bit jaded from these last couple of years, but that has not been their approach. Uh, you know, last year they knew that there wasn't going to be uh, a playoff very early on. Uh, it was it was later announced, but you know the players knew right from the hop that there wasn't going to be uh, a playoff and. These guys, they they realize at the end of the day, you know, we still get to come to the rink every day and, and play hockey. And there's a lot of worse things happening right now in this world in this pandemic. And and that was one of the, you know, the the great things about you know uh, the the 2021 season was you know seeing this group of young men uh, be able to realize something like that and be appreciative for the opportunity that they have. Um, and so, you know, they, they, they took their licks, uh, in terms of not being able to, to have the opportunity to compete for a WHL championship, but they, they've returned here to Edmonton. They're telling us we're going to play 68 games. We're going to have a playoff and we're going to have a Memorial cup and the Edmonton oil Kings, they want to punch their ticket to that Memorial cup, uh, come June this year. Yeah. Cause it was disappointing because, you know, we would have had an opportunity to go see them. The, I think it was, it was in uh, Kelowna, correct? The, Yep. Uh, Memorial Cup yep. a couple years ago. So, uh, but now I think it's going to be out east this year. I think that's the plan that's going back to the OHL, correct? Uh, Q, the QMG. Q. Yeah. Okay. Lame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just give Kelowna the the Memorial Cup that they deserve at this point, you know. <laughs> well, 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 the next well. time they bid for it, they'll be, uh, they'll have a chance. <laughs> No, don't give them the that they can host the Memorial Cup. Don't give them the Memorial <laughs> no, Cup. Oh yes, they'll have to earn it. Yeah, as as a Royals <laughs> fan, I'm sorry, I cannot cannot vote <laughs> for that. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't so much have a question as a just wanting to uh, 
thank you for uh, giving us your time and kind of like educating us a bit. We don't pay a lot of attention to the East coast teams as much as, as we could or should. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's really interesting to get uh, your perspective on what's going on out there and just kind of let, letting us know guys to watch. And uh, we uh, obviously, like I said, we've had a chance to talk to a few of the guys from over there. So it's, it's really interesting to see what happens out there. And I'm really intrigued for the possibilities for this season for you guys. And, Hopefully you guys get a chance to scratch that itch that uh, you've been you've been having for two three years now. Uh, I'm hoping so too. This was a lot of fun, guys. I appreciate you having me on. And any chance I get to talk WHL hockey with you know three people who are uh, equally as excited about uh, about our league, I, I absolutely jump at that opportunity. So uh, I, it's my pleasure for for jumping on with you guys. And we absolutely love the fact that we could talk about players in the East that are not named Connor Bedard because every question we get is about Connor Bedard to the point where we're like, this is our, we're not talking about him until we have yeah. to basically. So yeah. we really appreciate, you know, yeah, you educating people. Yeah. yeah. You ed yeah. You educating people that there is more than one player in the entire league. Hey, we got 12 yeah. teams out here. We got, we got two more teams than you guys have in the West. We have plenty of players. <laughs> Exactly. Anytime you guys want. So yeah, and yeah, if you guys want to have me back on at some point uh, during this year, uh, once uh, I get to see some of these East Division teams uh, a lot more, I would uh, certainly jump at that opportunity. Awesome. awesome. Well, yeah, thank you very much for uh, joining this this week. Hey, yeah. my pleasure, guys. Yeah. Thanks very much, Andrew. Okay. Take care. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you very much to Andrew Peard for coming on with us and teaching us a little bit about the East Coast teams. Great of him to come on and give us his time. And for Adam and Jess and Liz and myself, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Third Line Podcast brought to you by the Area 51 Network. And we will catch you guys next week.